Just a quick warning that we will be talking about some pretty brutal death descriptions today, some apocalyptic stuff, violence, abortion and miscarriage, infertility, some real patriarchal themes, some religion, etc. So if you're not in the right headspace for that, maybe just skip these next few episodes. And welcome to another episode of A Hopeless Endeavor. We are still talking about Kingfisher, and we'll probably keep trying to make sense of it for a while. Uh, my name is Sam. My name is Nikki. This is part two of Kingfisher. We're going to start talking about lyrics this episode if we haven't <laughs> already. So that's something. Um, it's hard, you guys. It's fucking hard. It's a hard <laughs> song, okay? I don't know. I feel bad. It's so good. It's so moving. It means so much to so many people, including me. So it's intimidating. Come on. Yeah, it's a big one. Um, but we're trying. We're we are trying. trudging along. <laughs> um, yeah, this is just a reminder that if you know, like sources that I could consume for like cultural literacy just basic <laughs> shit that everyone seems to know about that Joanna certainly knows about she took this course when she was five whatever resources you have for that I uh, send them my way because I need to do better um and this song brings that out in me so okay Here's part two of Kingfisher. Thank you so much for listening, for bearing with us, for sending us your thoughts and theories. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> I always say bye when it's just the intro. And like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm yeah. going to keep talking right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So after much back and forth, <laughs> we have decided to indeed tackle at least the first verse. If only to, like, make it seem less intimidating to come back to. Like, we've already started yeah. it. We don't have to do a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one more thing I wanted to mention were just uh, the cool instruments that are involved um, in this song. So we have drums. We have the Bulgarian tambura and the caval. We have both alto and tenor recorders. There's a cornet. There's a trombone. There's Jesus. a harpsichord, which I think plays a lot into you, and an organ and an accordion, which I think all play into the like medieval vibes um, that Corey was talking about. Yeah. There's something called a viel and a rebec. I'm not even sure what those are. There's a viola. There's three violins, a cello, and obviously a harp. Um, wow. So there's a whole ass band with her. I really did not realize there were that many instruments on this song. That's crazy. Oh, so I Googled VL and it's a, a bowed stringed instrument used in the medieval period, similar to a modern violin, but with a somewhat longer and deeper body, three to five strings. And the first image that it has is like a very medieval-esque painting 
Um, of course they would include that. How yeah, does she know to bring these instruments in? Is it her that is it she that would make this decision? Like I don't know. I uh, a Rebecca too is a bowed string instrument of the medieval area era and the early Renaissance. It has a narrow boat shaped body and one to five strings played under the arm or under the chin. So sick. Super sick. Really cool. Who's making these instruments in 2022? I guess this was 2010. Still. Who's making these still? That's incredible. I don't know. That is incredible. Also, but here's here's the thing that makes me grumpy about covering Kingfisher. (laughs) Is that both the lyrics and what you just... And Corey's email about like the stuff that's going on musically and the sheer like number of instruments that I just like don't know about haven't heard about could never tell you were in here all of these things like conspire together to make me feel so ill-equipped to talk about any of this like I just feel like I'm like you are living in this existence where you know all sorts of like information and cultural shit that like I I just feel like a fucking five-year-old in comparison yeah to what she knows like how do you do this Ah! maybe what we need to do is make different versions of this podcast there's that youtube channel that explains things like space like explain it to me as like a (laughs) five-year-old and then as like a high schooler and then as like a professor and then as like a researching scientist like yes i don't think we can get that high up there maybe you can (laughs) but like it's a lot I have been actually like wondering about this because of this feeling I've been like grappling with for the past couple days because of this fucking song. I've been wondering like, okay, so for people who didn't have a vast education in the way that Joanna Newsom did, mm-hmm. like I need like a cultural literacy for dummies esque source, yes. whether it's a podcast yeah. or a youtube channel if anybody knows of something that can inform me on like the basics of life like just real basic <laughs> shit that people seem to know about i want it's like in access. the general realm of knowledge yes i would subscribe to that yes in a second too but then that's also such a biased thing too right because yes, like yes what people consider important so depends on their own experiences yes absolutely someone on the facebook group recently too was like if we were to make because i saw that there was like a someone's doing a university level class about Taylor Swift and her music. Um, and then in the Facebook group, I don't know if these are related at all, but they were like, if we were to do uh, Joanna Newsom based syllabus, what would this look like? Ooh. And it was really, really cool. Um, and like, I would want that to be part of it. Like give me the tiny pieces that I know to build the puzzle that is. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. I want to make a philosophy of Joanna Newsom lyrics slash references course that would be fun but yeah like there has to be something like that out there in the world and seriously if you guys know about it just uh, shoot us an email or a dm or whatever i desperately want this information okay okay so i suppose we've decided to dive into this (laughs) as per always Take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah. I, I spent a few hours last night and the last few days really getting lost in the background information. So to say I have a little 
on the actual lyrics is generous. <laughs> <laughs> it's really fun to watch stuff like watch YouTube videos about Pompeii and like, you know. I was watching the weirdest YouTube video right before we started recording of this guy talking about serpent symbolism in paganism, but also in like all cultures. Like he was naming so many cultures and like the different ways in which serpents can represent like life force and energy. We'll get to that. I'm going to get to the serpent verse, which will not be now. Um, but I was, it was such a weird video. I don't know why. And I was like, the shit I do for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I will read the first verse. Yes, please. Thank you, Sam. Whose, and she sings. <laughs> Whose is the hand that I will hold? Whose is the face I will see? Whose is the name that I will call when I am called to meet thee. The first thing I notice, having just stumbled through Corey's incredible email, is how they're right. Like, not only is it phrased as a, as a question, but it does feel like more, more is coming. I don't know. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think everything's intentional. But um, I wonder if it was intentional to combine to combine um, that interrupted cadence with a question to kind of emphasize that. That more is coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. That's really Because there's a lot coming. <laughs> yeah, so this song is also like nine minutes and 11 seconds. Like, it's a long yeah. one. Yeah. <clears throat> Ooh, she's referencing the Twin Towers because 9-11. Destruction. <laughs> Because it's nine minutes and 11 seconds. Oh, I mean, maybe. <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> Lord. Okay. Um, so who's she asking these questions to? Who? What is she talking about, Sam? Well, Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> need help. So I got the vibe that it's very much like a question to herself. Mm-hmm. Like at the beginning of this terror and destruction, looking to the sky and realizing that shit's getting really bad. Mm. And um, I kind of formed it in my brain as like when I am called to meet thee as being an end of life thing, as being a question to God or higher power or whatever. Yeah. And like kind of trying to reason with the unreasonable and say like first will this partner that I'm I guess still together with in the midst of breaking up with will that be the person whose hand I will hold at the end of all of this will that be the person whose face I see in like my last moments on earth will his be the name that I call uh, when all the shit hits the fan very interesting. <clears throat> um, yeah, I really like that. Uh, it like all the questions give me like a very unsettling vibe, unsettled vibe. Yeah. Um, it. I think I always understood this first verse as like the fact that she's asking these questions 
to me signals that she's aware that the relationship she's been in is not it. Like she's like grappling now with the fact that like, okay, like I guess in my interpretation, which God, I don't know, but like, yeah, she's grappling with the fact that like this, I have to change things. This is not going to last forever. And like, what do I do with that? Like I have to keep living. What is that going to look like? Um, Ferrandez, the the person who wrote the Blessing All the Birds article, um, writes of this verse that uh, the song begins by acknowledging the fate that ties the narrator and her lover together. She knows him, the, as her timeless lover, but she wonders who he will be in this life. So um, a part of the, um, of this, um, author's thesis in the Blessing All the Birds article is that this song's allegory to the mists of Avalon um, uh, retelling of Arthurian myths is uh, I don't even know how to, end, how to keep going with the sentence but basically in the myth uh, in the mists of Avalon, there is a couple who the main story is about, um, this, this man and this woman who the main story is about, and they represent, uh, like a couple from thousands of years earlier who ended up perishing or maybe escaping from, Atlantis, as Atlantis sank underwater in this like way that is very similar to East. Whoa. Yeah. And so I think the idea or like a theme at least that starts to emerge is this, um, again, history repeating itself sort of cycle, but also like these like kind of cool, like reincarnation-y vibes. Also this like fatalism um, and so I really love the imagery or just the idea of the narrator being like, okay, what about in this life? Uh, who's going to be my person? Who's going to be the partner that I have timelessly? Um, uh, Ferrandez also writes, the song abounds with references to this life as opposed to past ones. So in this new life, where did you crouch? As well as to serpents. Uh, pointing to the pagan heritage of her lover. The narrator also asks him about his participation in the sacred marriage rites. Um, so then she writes in parentheses, and for the sake of that pit of snakes, for whom did you allay your shyness and spent all your mercy and madness and grace in a day beneath the bending cypress? We'll get to that. But I just thought that perhaps like allusions to this life as opposed to my last life is interesting in this context. It's interesting in the context of the album as a whole, too, especially um, because in that interview you mentioned, she referenced it as taking place over a single day. So to like view their love as something that's timeless is really cool Mm -hmm. Um, and just makes me wonder, like, how many iterations of their relationship has there been over this one day? Um, I love the connection between Atlantis and East. Atlantis is also a really cool thing I could talk about forever. (laughs) Um, So that's a fun wormhole to dive into. Um, 
Yeah. Yes. I also thought those things, like, it's just, it's all sprawling, but really fascinating as potential themes. Um, I am unclear about, like, who is she being called by to meet thee? Is it fate? Is it God? Yeah. Could I mean, if we're thinking about it, if we place ourselves literally on Pompeii, um, I would for sure say that it's fate. Like, if you are, if our narrator is staring at the dark clouds moving in, like, that's a pretty uh, fair question to ask, I think. Um, just in, like, planning how you'll survive this imminent death. Yeah. <laughs> if at all. Um, yeah, I think fate makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> this shit's so hard. Um, another possible interpretation of this, um, just like bringing Christianity into the mix for the first time, maybe, is, or, or, or maybe not even specific to Christianity, but the idea that she's addressing God here, that like when she dies, so if we're if the apocalypse is impending or you know Vesuvius is getting real angry mm-hmm. um you might be grappling with these kinds of questions like well what's going to happen then when i die right what is this next part going to look like and so um the idea that she could be referencing like what does god look like what who's god going to turn out to be when i die um I thought was maybe interesting too. Again, and I think that's really interesting in how much back and forth the narrator has had with blink once of God, twice of no God, um, in so many different places in this album. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and also just the idea that like at the end of the world, do you choose to take that stance? Right. Like if, when you're faced with imminent, violent, awful death, do you, choose to believe in that moment or not Mm -hmm. like even in the telling uh of Pliny the Younger from Pompeii God didn't God isn't mentioned right like what's mentioned is um other people Mm -hmm. making up falsities about what is actually happening and maybe that that just speaks to like um the paganism at the time I'm sure it does. Um, but yeah, just like the general idea that if if you know that you're going to die, do you reach for that? Right. <sighs> and that we start with a question, too, is really interesting. I don't think that's happened. Like I know we talked forever um, in Only Skin. Um and there was a booming starting with and is such an interesting, interesting start. Um, but to start with three questions in a row and they keep, you know what? The questions are populous. One, two, three, <laughs> yeah. four, five, six, seven, eight. Like the first eight verses, there's nine questions. The first eight verses are all question heavy. There's a shit ton of questions in this song. Yeah, especially at the beginning. Also, where have we met before at the end, towards the end? Yeah. 
tell me true to whose authority uh, do yeah. you consign your soul um yeah in this life where did you crouch when the sky had sent to boiling it's just an interesting tone to take exactly yes it sets this like very uncertain tone uh but like at least she's asking the questions now i sort of feel yeah. like it's still like some sort of like progress for our narrator like at least she knows to be like okay like i can't we can't fuck around and skirt around the issues anymore like what is going on um yeah it feels there's a little there's like sort of an empowering vibe sort of to me um throughout some of the song at least like she knows what questions she wants to ask now she knows what questions she's wondering about and can put a finger on it in a way that like in ribbon bows we were seeing her you know going out dancing and just like not grappling with these questions exactly um and now she's able to like put words to it in a, in a, a way that i find interesting yeah I'm wondering if in general question asking was like a trend in like medieval music Mm. that I don't have a quick (laughs) answer for. It also, the question part, it feels a little reminiscent to me of the in California, who is there questions Mm. um, just because it's a who it's a who question. Mm -hmm. Um, Should we continue? (laughs) <laughs> sure. Uh, okay. <laughs> so then she sings, In this life, who did you love? Beneath the drifting ashes, beneath the sheeting banks of air that barrenly bore our rations. So another part of this song that is so it makes it so like precious to me as a song so special to me is that the poetry is out of this fucking world it is so beautiful like it's such a masterpiece i think in its lyrical composition like it's just and and so many people said this too in the facebook group that it's just like some of their favorite lines out of all of jenna newson's music music come in kingfisher and you can see why like it's so masterful yeah um, like in this verse, the part that jumps out to me is barrenly bore. Like that is so crazy to say to, to be barren is normally to be unable to bear anything. Right. But she's talking about it. Barrenly bearing. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I thought that was really cool. And the thing that, that so like does it mean for the banks of air to barely bear our rations like i don't even know what's going on but like does it mean that like the banks of air are not able to bear any rations because it does so barely <sighs> yes okay. um Beneath the sheeting banks of air that barrenly... So I think the vibe that I get here is like, you know, we talked about um, how fertile the land was here. 
So if I'm assuming that the rations are born from the fertile land, the land is fertile because of the ashes. So I, I'm imagining the sheeting banks of air to be those like clouds filled with volcanic ash that would be carrying their rations if they were not bearing death. Um, does that make sense? <laughs> I think so. Like, because the volcanic ash is what makes the land fertile. Yeah. But they won't be existing yeah. to reap the benefits of that fertile land. Instead, Interesting. Yes, what see. these banks of air bring is... is <laughs> death and that's why they're barren oh that's interesting that's really cool. i don't know <laughs> it's so hard um no but that at least puts a theory behind it because like okay what is sheeting what is banks and why is it air <laughs> yeah so sheeting made me think of rain yeah yeah that that's what the definition alludes to to uh when i looked it up at least it's like uh I mean, it, there's there's no special, like, just picture what a sheet does. And sometimes people use mm -hmm. that metaphorically. So if there's, like, a big sheet coming down from the sky, um, that can sometimes be rain. It also could be banks of air. Uh, but I've never heard of banks of air before. Nope. <laughs> okay. So there is one definition of bank that refers to an airplane, which is to tilt or cause to tilt sideways and making a turn. Okay. Uh, that might be something in reference to Kingfisher the airplane, or I guess like the way that a bird might turn in the air as well. Uh -huh. um, but... <laughs> uh, but the air itself? Yeah. Maybe it's just like, do you know Dutch angles in movies? Dutch angle. No. I only know this because David loves movies, but like uh, if a person is suddenly framed like, it's like the camera tilts a little bit and so mm -hmm. it um, shows the person sort of on a diagonal which is used often to like give the scene like a distressing kind of feel, like it's like so something's sure. off about it. Yes. And picturing. And horror music behind yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm picturing, uh, I'm picturing the world just sort of doing that, like the mm. banking, if that's what it means, like the tilting sort of to, to turn where like the air itself is doing that. It's like all off kilter a little bit. That's a huge stretch, but <laughs> I have nothing. So, I mean, it makes sense with the vibe of the song, yeah. um, at the very least, um, that panicked you know that panicked feeling and this feeling of like shit is changing and it's not comfortable anymore and it's like urgent that we attend to this now there's no ignoring a pending volcano eruption or the the way that this relationship like I can't pretend it's not happening anymore and so it's like very upheaving uh mm -hmm. One thing that's interesting is I just looked for a definition on rations and I was only thinking of like food. Yeah. But one of the examples here is their daily ration of fresh air. Um, 
which is interesting just in that like at this time if we're thinking of pompeii um that would be running out um one of the most awful things i read in that research too was that like there were these underground bunkers that people could run to um and did run to but they obviously filled up really fast and so it was mostly women and children but that like it was more likely that people asphyxiated inside there um and died like a more awful slower death than the people outside who were just like burnt to a crisp immediately Um, that is so fucking brutal terrible and then like puts this fresh not fresh different spin on barren the boar too like there is air in the air but like none of it is stuff that i can use to live off of right like it's all like contaminated yeah and like it's sheeting yeah it's like all encompassing that's just like what the air is doing now i would encompass all of those rations everything that a human needs to survive Uh. right air water oh the part about the sea creatures being left on the sand too in um the planet the younger retelling was so awful yeah that was really brutal um I also had a question about why she's asking this question and like to whom again. So like Mm -hmm. in this life, who did you love? Like, is she asking like, did you really love me? Is she asking like once like um, in this like uh, go longy vibe where she's asking him uh, who tend, who will take care of you when you're old and dying where she's like, trying to get him to think of like at the end of your life like very explicitly like what is it going to look like and i'm picturing this being like at the end of that life uh or a question at least coming from from that perspective and uh and her asking the question of like so who did it end up being like what did that look like for you um yeah kind of like a small reflection in the moment it also makes me want to ask the question from the narrator's perspective like was it worth it yeah like was all of this worth it we're here together beneath the drifting ashes beneath the sheeting banks of air that barely bore our rations like was all of the shit that we went through worth it yeah it also like remember how we were talking in in go long about like the gendered expectations uh, not just in go long but like about how she like the the woman narrator throughout this has to do all of the worrying and all of the thinking and all of the like hey look shit's not okay like pointing out well while we get images of the partner in the relationship sort of chilling or like not attending directly to these same sorts of worries or like sleeping. And, uh, I find it interesting here that like this song is sung from the perspective of like, it like validates the narrator's current concern in a way because of how it's positioned. Like it, we are at this like, end of the world time like we are 
the narrator wasn't worried for nothing. She wasn't being crazy. This is like the end of things. And now she's like, hey, I'm asking you these same sorts of questions that I had before. Like, this was important, it turns out. I had a right to be worried. Uh, and like, what did it turn out like? Um, mm-hmm. And so it gives this, it sort of colors what came before with like weight and also with this sense to me at least that like our narrator was being gaslit for for because these questions weren't being taken seriously you know yeah yeah if they weren't answered before will they be answered now yeah even yeah like um i love that idea of uh continually asking these questions too like in times of calm and in times of tragedy um an answer is still required yeah. like regardless yeah. um our narrator still deserves an answer she certainly does and just the fact that she had her eye like that the eventuality of what's gonna happen was always informing what our narrator was thinking about and asking and like it's come and it just feels i feel like our narrator is like, look, like this is this was all inevitable. I like I told you yeah. this was coming, and yeah, I still have these questions. Yeah, and you didn't believe me. Yeah, exactly. Did we say all the things we wanted? We can we can say in the moment for I, that verse. I think so. I mean, beneath the drifting ashes just gives me like big Vesuvius vibes, big Pompeii vibes, and like also it makes it seem like. Yeah, just like the inevitability of death. We said that already. I think we'll right. say that a lot. <laughs> okay. okay, and then she sings. When I could speak, it was too late. Didn't you hear me calling? Didn't you see my heart leap like a pup in the constant barley? So a it's couple more questions. <laughs> some more questions it's sad man it is sad like I get sad <laughs> why do you get sad because it to me this verse is a description of uh, like A her disappointment in him because he clearly let her down and the idea that at some point her heart was a, like a pup like, her heart was as excited and, like, happy and, like, joyous about him as a pup would be in, like, the constant barley just makes me feel like she's distancing herself from that. She's like, look, I was so fucking enthusiastic about this. I was so excited about this. And you ignored it. Like, you ignored me. And and once I could speak up about that, like, I was already dead. like it's already too late like and these terrible consequences uh like look where we are now and where we used to be and like what we could have been like I was there and you didn't meet me uh yeah to me just sad yeah you don't you don't do you think it's sad or no I mean when you say it that way (laughs) (laughs) for sure it's awful um 
I had a really hard time with what the fuck pup and the constant barley was. Like, does yeah. it mean that like the barley, like barley as a, as a, uh, as a, fuck word am i working for is it i want to say flock but that's not the right word crop crop thank you (laughs) barley as a crop is something that like is constantly growing that like I, i just had a hard time yeah i didn't think too much about it because of it like i had no theories in my head it's just like I picture my dog sometimes like the way he leaps through like tall grass or like, you know, like could be like a wheat or whatever. He's just like so happy to be like in nature and so happy to just be like bouncing about. Um, And that's what I pictured the constant barley being like, just like fields and fields of endless barley. But like, I don't know. I don't know if that's a, (laughs) <laughs> if that's legit or not I mean I think it's as legit as we're gonna get for sure and it makes you know we talked about the sweet appraising eye of the dog um, mm. and biting and chewing so much in ribbon bows um, I wonder if that's kind of like a hark back to that yeah, um, yeah I mean I feel like the heart leaping has to tie into something from um a song where they were having a good time if that exists <laughs> um like easy or something uh i just looked up barley symbolism mm. and apparently it's the food of horses which is always interesting to me okay i feel like i have paragraphs about that for monkey and bear <laughs> I know. I feel like we've talked about barley in the context of it being like a tea or something, but I have no idea. Oh. I don't remember if that's true. If I search Joanna Newsom barley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Only Kingfisher. Just like abundance, I guess, too, if it's constant barley. Yeah. Constant is a weird word to use. Yeah, it's it is. Constant, like ever present is the the definition yeah. that I'm taking. Me too. But it's weird, I guess. I don't know. As opposed to like endless or something. Yeah. Um. Oh, occurring continuously over a period of time. So I like how that would tie into what um Lise was saying as like um the the time frame of their relationship yeah um it's abundant can also mean staying resolute or faithful which might be interesting Interesting. i feel like someone on the facebook or maybe it was on instagram had responded saying oh lots of people are into it oh boy (laughs) Uh, one person had responded saying uh, they interpreted it as a secret cheating escalating into the violence because of the bluebeard imagery Mm. Our friend Brian said in response to that question, how do you feel about Kingfisher? <laughs> Not great, Brian. Not, Not great. great. We love it. The prospect of covering it is the worst. 
yeah. It also makes me think that when I could speak, it was too late. Didn't you hear me calling? We've gotten the the visual of her calling out so many times, I feel like, throughout this album. Yeah. So, yeah. And right, have right. one on me. We have it. We have it in... Uh, uh, I mean, to a certain extent, like who is there? There's also like I called. Oh, what was it? Softest chalk, maybe I want to say. I forget. But we've had this image of her calling out and him not answering. And yeah, we've had that before. And here she's like, "Didn't you hear me calling? Like, and if you did, why didn't you come?" Yeah. Yeah. Sad. 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 Yeah, it isn't soft as chalk. Uh, who's there? Who's there? Now I'm calling in a sadness beyond anger, beyond fear. Yeah, right. Right. I called to you several times when the change took place and then arrived all night and I died. Yeah, we're there again. <laughs> and so easy, so interesting to look back at some of the lyrics of easy to to um how am i gonna stay here without you to didn't you hear me calling yeah like this imminent imminent awful violent death Hmm. we also have another heart reference here uh We've been talking about hearts as like mm. a synecdoche in her, in her work. Mm-hmm. And here's another case of it. Um, also, your heart leaping, it, it does this nice thing for me where it brings to mind both this like excited puppy like leaping kind of thing. But also for your heart to leap, it's almost like your heart skips a beat or something like it's mm-hmm. almost disconcerting too yeah. like there's a little bit of anxiety there to me at least yeah a hundred percent that is all i have for this verse and i you know i think that that state of anxiety speaks to where we are right now too if we're thinking we're literally in or a narrator is uh in pompeii or referencing it so heavily right like um simultaneously trying to ask these questions and get some closure while seeming seeing the literal cloud of ash moving yeah. towards you that's uh probably not a great feeling <laughs> <sighs> yeah okay so then she sings in this life where did you crouch when the sky had set to boiling Burning within, seen from without, and your gut was a serpent coiling. Whew. Ah! It's crazy. I have a really hard time with burning within, seen from without. What does seen from without mean? Okay, so I think, so this is like, for me, I learned... I learned the like from without phrasing f- from her from this song, mm. but I've noticed it in things since I've been paying attention to it. But I think it just means from not within yourself, from ex from external okay. sources. So uh, there was a burning within me that could be seen 
from outside of me. Like you could see the fact oh, that I was burning. I like that both in the literal sense of like people are burning. I mean, I don't like that, but like <laughs> along with the visuals here, that makes a lot of sense. And then also the emotional aspect of the end of this relationship. Yeah. And like, I don't know if this is it exactly to me. It. <sighs> so yeah, there's like the obvious, the like Pompeii, really scary people literally burning references um and maybe even like the being seen because you get preserved or something I don't know but like then also like this like emotional reference of like I was dying within or like raging or something within or not even I sorry I don't know who but the person in question is burning with it, burning inside themselves emotionally. But and like you can, the idea that you can see that you can notice that from the outside, yeah, um, like that the person can't hide that anymore, is compelling to me. Yeah, and the idea that that would impact your gut too. Um, and now that you you say that, it makes me think of like a snake strike. Like if the serpent mm. is coiling to strike that like yeah. our narrator is finally ready to say her piece in the kindest sense, but really like fucking snap in a more realistic sense. Yeah. I, I really like that. That's like very impending snapping that might happen is mm -hmm. terrifying. Um, who, who is burning f within seen, seen from without? I'm assuming it it's our, I'm assuming it's our narrator. Yeah. Um, yeah. And your gut was a serpent coiling. I don't know. Yeah, that's the part that I was like, ah, could be him. Could be all of us. Oh, interesting. A coiled snake symbolizes rebirth, transformation, immortality, and healing. Yeah. Did you see the Facebook comment from that person about this? I did. It was a pretty short one. Yes. Um, do you have it in front of you there? I will in about 10 long seconds. Uh, okay. From David. There we go. Yeah. Um, your gut was a serpent coiling is a reference to being stuck in the first chakra of Kundalini yoga. Um, Oh, and by naming, we can rise above time as it flashing passes, leading nicely into the big themes of drivers. Okay. But the first chakra of Kundalini Yoga, I don't know anything. So I just that. looked into it because of that comment, but um, I thought it was really cool. It was, uh, so, um, mm, so the Kundalini Serpent, um, uh, I'm trying to describe this. If you picture someone sitting in a meditative position with their legs crossed, mm -hmm. there's this image of a serpent sort of going from the base of their spine all the way up to like uh, their head. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, okay, this website that I'm on about serpent symbolism and Kundalini uh, writes, uh, you may know, that Kundalini has been historically represented through the symbol of the serpent. But why? Why a snake? As most ancient yogic translations, it all starts with Sanskrit. 
The translation of Kundalini Shakti from Sanskrit to English is serpent power. This coincides with the movement of energy released within your body from the base of the spine up through the crown. This energy is said to be like a snake coiled at the base of the spine, waiting to be released to your highest power. So symbolically, this energy also moves like a serpent and is awakened by specific meditation and consciousness techniques. Um, uh, also, meditation is historically represented by a serpent or a snake. And the spirit of a serpent can be thought of as a rebirth, a transformation, a healing of the old form, be that mind, body, and spirit as it sheds its skin and regenerates a new being. Snakes have also been thought of as an eternal and continual renewal of life. All so cool. Yeah. So the image that I got from this was like, if the serpent is waiting to be released into this like higher level of being this sort of like enlightenment that like he's not yet there so like your gut is still like waiting or like uh, sorry the partner's gut is still the serpent is still coiled like unenlightened unreleased sort of waiting to be reborn but like he's not doing it he's not doing the work um oh interesting so that, like, uh, the partner is unwilling to change yeah. at this stage, yeah. even at the end of the world. Right, exactly. And, like, I feel like, without saying, like, our narrator is enlightened or anything as, like, trite as that, uh, sh- sh- she's doing, she's operating on this different level than he is, I think. Um. Yeah, there's a whole album of self-reflection at the very yeah. least. Yeah. Um, so I don't think enlightened is too much of a stretch by any means. Um, but that's also just like a really, really sad sentiment that like, yeah. even though we're both going down, you're still unwilling to not only not answer my questions, but you know, kind of make peace with what we've done, with what you've done. Yeah. Or like even be trying to grapple with these things yourself, you know, like you're not. And like the fact that, that serpents can represent meditation or like can be associated with that or whatever, like makes me think he's not doing the like inner work Mm -hmm. or something. I'm not sure if this is a, legit interpretation of it just because i i'm i'm putting a lot into it that isn't obviously there but uh that's just what came to mind for me i wonder if it speaks to like a kind of ignorance of the situation at hand as well like if you're unwilling to deal with what's within are you able to kind of like process what's without um so like you know if we're like role-playing what's actually happening and you know the end of the world is coming what is our what is the partner doing yeah like if our narrator is looking to the sky um that is boiling if our narrator is noticing the drifting ashes and the barren rations like what is the partner doing i don't know is he sleeping because like 
Yes. <laughs> Don't fucking sleep. <laughs> I'm over it. Uh, like, why is she even asking the question of where did he crouch? Like, is it like, where did you take shelter? Is that the idea? Or like, what was comforting to you? Yeah. And I, I yes. And I also think like, where did you uh, feel safe? Yeah. Like, shelter as like a place to end the world in um oh okay so definition of crouch as uh something a position to avoid detection or to defend oneself Hmm. Um, so you know if you're if time is up and you are being asked these questions for the last time to crouch could be to like continue to avoid them mm-hmm. um yeah very interesting like where were you hiding mm-hmm. also the image sam of the sky boiling is so intense isn't that crazy it's so good it's so good yes it's oh my god nicely done yeah it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, I love the reference to, to this life again. This mm-hmm. life as opposed to the ones we've had before and will have again. Yeah. I mean, it kind of allows us to do some forward thinking a little bit, right? Um, mm-hmm. if, if she had used something like this past life, um, I don't think it would be the same vibe. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. After this verse, the musicality changes quite a bit. Mm. Um, we're losing that. Oh, what did Corey say it was called? <laughs> the interrupted cadence. I think. Could be wrong. I mean, that. it certainly changes. <laughs> That's as far as I can, <laughs> as much as I can say on the topic, but <laughs> thank God I'm here to give my analysis. Uh, I mean, it changes. We wouldn't be very far without you. That's for sure. I don't think I have anything. I, I know I have not a single note for this <laughs> Do I have more to say? Probably not. No, I'm done with this verse too, I guess. Should we stop? Yeah. Uh, okay. Thank you so much, everyone, so much for hanging in there while we trudge through what is the second part of Kingfisher. Um, you know, you are always welcome to send us your thoughts and theories, big feelings and small um, we have an email address, which is a hopeless endeavor, E-N-D-E-A-V-O-R at gmail.com. Um, we have an Instagram, which is a hopeless endeavor podcast. Nikki runs our Patreon and Facebook group, which are mm, linked in the show notes, but I think Perfect. it's, yeah, patreon.com slash a hopeless endeavor. Uh, we have early episode releases there. We have bonus episodes there too. Um, the Facebook group is a hopeless endeavor at Joanna Newsom podcast. Um, are those all the things? I think that's all the things. I can't handle yeah. more things. It's no, too many. That's things. too many things. <laughs> Rate and review if you want to. Sure. Um, 
uh yeah that's 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 all this this these episodes make me really feel the name of our podcast (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's not easy but we're gonna try our best so thank you for listening despite that and if you decide not to that's fine too that is fine too we would get it uh we'll be back next week with part three out of who the fuck knows how many parts but it's gonna be a lot so uh thanks thanks guys i waved bye but yeah bye (laughs) i love you